this morning. Let's turn to our next guest and topic of today. Now, when you think of Hong Kong, you may think of Hong Kong as a bit of a food haven or a bit of a financial hub. But let me tell you something that owing to its unique geographical location and also climate, Hong Kong is a bit of a biodiversity hotspot. In the next 20 minutes or so, we'll be talking to insect ecologist Professor Benoit Guinard, who is an associate professor from the School of Biological Sciences from the Faculty of Science from the University of Hong Kong. And he also heads the Insect Biodiversity and Biogeography Laboratory. So in the last interview, we talked a little bit more about the ant that you and your team discovered, the golden tree ant. Um, I didn't get a chance to ask you, so how big is it in size? And talk us through the process of discovery. You mentioned that you discovered it in the nighttime. Are most ants nocturnal or how does it work? So uh, to answer your first question about the, the size of ants, so th they will vary from anywhere from about 1, 1.5 millimeters, so they are very small, um, to some of the largest ants in the world are 3 centimeters long, although in Hong Kong the largest ones are about 1.5 centimeters. So that's basically, you can see, quite a wide range uh, of magnitude here. Um, the second part of your question was about the process. So uh, here for us to discover hands, basically what we do is that we do general sampling. So we do collection. Uh, a lot actually occurs on the leaf litter um, because this is probably where a lot of arthropods and a lot of ants in particular are, are living. And so we, we have a particular method that is called Winkler Extractor, where basically we take a, a bunch of leaf litter that we collect. Uh, usually we try to standardize for ecological purpose uh, the size. So we take one square meter. And we collect all the leaf litter, the, the top soil, the kind of loose soil that comes with it. And then we sift it. And then we place uh, all the sifted material. So we have some dirt, we have some uh, small piece of leaves, and of course a lot of arthropods in there that we're interested in. And we place them into big white bag for about three days. So by drying, what will happen is that this habitat will become unsustainable for the organisms that live in. And they will try to escape. And by doing so, they will fall into small pickups that have alcohol or ethanol uh, in the bottom. Not alcohol that we drink, but just for preservation of the specimen so they don't decompose. Um, and then we actually are going to start sorting all of that under a microscope. Finally, for the organisms that we are interested, we'll be mounting them. This is very important. We put them on little pins. Um, so this way we can manipulate them and observe all kinds of uh, part of their morphology under the microscope. And uh, finally, we're going to try to identify them. And sometimes when we do this process, we realize, oh, this is actually something that we don't know or that's something that varies in a way that we have never observed before. So we go into deeper um, research and we try to see if actually those characters, usually we don't use one, but several, uh, can confirm that we have something that will be a new species. In this case, we will make a, a thorough description with a very high resolution and, and magnification picture, so we can really show the different parts of the, of the ends. And we will uh, submit that to a scientific journal. Some are specialized in taxonomy. And after review, usually by two or three uh, other experts uh, in the world, uh, the paper may be accepted. Most of the time, fortunately, this happens. And then the species uh, has an official uh, existence uh, in science, and then we can uh, communicate that with other colleagues and, and people can start doing other research on the species. That sounds so exciting. And what a process it has to go through before you can finally say, yep, this is a new one. It is. It, uh, it does take uh, a lot of time. And because of that, uh, it also takes some funding resources. 
And in, in that case, I, I developed a program which is called Name and Ant, where people uh, who are interested in supporting biodiversity research and their conservation uh, can actually uh, provide us some fund. And then we will actually give us the opportunity to name the species. So that means if you want to name an ant after your daughter, your parents, or your son, uh, or anything that you feel is important, as long as it's not offensive for anyone, uh, we actually uh, will work uh, with the person and, uh, and then have, have that. So recently, um, I have a person who actually uh, wanted to have an, an ant name after her son, and so the species will be published uh, actually very soon. Yeah. Wow, that's ec- exciting because ants are very hardworking insects indeed. So they, are, a, they are, and they are beauty- very... beautiful. Uh, yes. Once you start looking at them again under a new light and uh, high magnification, <laughs> you, you see a, a lot of, of things that are really fascinating. Yeah, I, I have to say, you know, um, there, are, there are quite a few sort of uh, um, micro, sorry, macro photographers who really really just sort of zoom into uh, faces of insects. And I have to say, they are very handsome. Yeah. You know, if you look at their sort of, um, I mean, if you, if you look at them on passing, you don't really notice their faces. But if you look at sort of their furry eyes and sort of maybe their nose or where I think their nose is, they are incredibly fascinating and very good looking, some of these insects. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And um, I, I think one of, last week we talked about the, the fear that people may have. Um, what I would like to see more are people having admiration for insects. And I think uh, as humans, we are very limited in our perception of the world. I mean, when things are too small, we cannot see it. Uh, And a lot of other senses that we have are very limited. Um, but again, I, I think as as a researcher and as a science communicator, what we try to do is to use the technology that we have, this microscope, to make beautiful pictures, to actually present us uh, to the public. And then uh, we do that live also uh, in the Hong Kong Biodiversity Museum, and the reactions of people are amazing. And that's what I love. You know, I think w- what is the most common word I hear uh, in the museum is "wow." Yeah. And and I think it's a, it's a, it all. Uh, people see those things and they they have no idea. And they're like, "Wow!" You know, they 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 just just so you, blown away. Exactly. Yeah. Again, you're opening up a new world uh, that they could not even think about. Yeah. Yeah. Entering that sort of you know the insect world. Yeah. Um. One one interesting thing is what sorts of tools do you use because to manipulate that you mentioned just now the golden tree ant is 1.5 millimeter. Uh, the golden tree ant is is larger than that. Oh, the okay. golden tree ant is uh is about seven millimeter oh, long. Seven so it's mi- a relatively large ant in the ant world. <laughs> So um, what tools do you use to manipulate them? I can think of it like a pinhead is maybe one to two millimeters. Uh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So we, we microscope. Microscopes are very important. Um, and we will actually use some pins. So they are ontological pins that are actually oh, wow. made for that. Um, and then we, we create some very small uh, triangle made of carton. And then we will actually going to uh, glue the end uh, into the very tip of this uh, carton pin. So this way uh, we can manipulate them uh, later on easily. Um, I have to say, when people start, there's a bit of a learning curve here. Yeah, you have uh, to handle with care. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I think we will do very well in a jury industry uh, for that reason, because we are very meticulous and, and uh, very detail-oriented. Maybe even take a surgeon or something. <laughs> yes. So we, 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 it requires definitely the, the same kind of skills and, 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 and tools, uh, working with uh, minute forceps and, and other um, equipment like that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the, the new generation. You know, who are some of these researchers um, and how into biodiversity are they? I, I, I assume that maybe they grew up um, 
you know, some of them maybe grew up in Hong Kong or maybe, you know, uh, different parts of the world. Do they grow up with a lot of nature? And, and what's their understanding of, of insects when they come to you? So um, in my laboratory, I, I think over the past nine years, I've I always had eight to ten different nationalities. So they are coming from all over the world. Um, some are coming from cities. Some are coming from uh, more, um, I would say, peri-urban or even rural areas. Um, but they all have, I would say, an, a keen interest in nature. You might be studying differently, sometimes on watching some documentary or listening to the radio. Um, but uh, for many, it comes also from an experience that they have in nature. And, and I think it's very important for people to experience nature um, and, and not being afraid of it and, and sometimes getting out as much as it's allowed and possible uh, outside those paved road that, that you have because this is really where you can get a chance to to feel it and experience it and and one of the the thing I, I try to do with my students and undergrad students in particular uh, most of them grew up in Hong Kong, is actually to bring them outside of the comfort zone. Uh, so really to go into the forest or into the grasslands and get your hands dirty and, and you know, like goes on the ground and, and collect yes. things. Because you have this these notions where when you start feeling, um, but also you will start putting things in motion. You know, if you start disturbing, I mean, of course, gently, not not like crazy, but uh, insects will start moving or other organisms will start moving. And then you might start seeing some interactions. You may start seeing some species that you didn't notice first. So it's very important to actually to, to overcome this initial apprehension of fear that people may have and then go and, and really play with, with those uh, organisms, you know, uh, of course, always in a respectful way, but so that they can really um, see them and, and understand the ecology as well. Because, you know, if, if you study just specimens or not people are just even not focusing on specimens, but on DNA, and you have no idea where they live, how can you actually understand their ecology or their evolution? And that's why it's important to have this also field component where you actually directly interact with the specimens where they live. Yeah, speaking of interacting with, um, of course, we want to respect nature and we're not out there to disturb them. But are there several places in Hong Kong that's good for observing insects? Anywhere. Insects are everywhere. So even within your apartment, sometimes you can get great opportunities. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure pe most people... Maybe they don't like it, but, you know, nonetheless, so they have always, ants, yes. yes, in your kitchen, or you may have some cockroach, or you may have some spiders. Um, uh, again, it, it depends on um, how much you learn. Um, I have a six-year-old daughter. Uh, she catches spiders all the time. And she she wow, amazed so the kids. No, she she is not brave. She has knowledge. Yes, I I taught her like those spiders. You can catch them because they will never bite you. Um, others, she she was uh, beaten when I was actually when she was in Japan and I was here, so I could not guide her. Uh, and I told her, no, be careful. Those you cannot touch them directly. Unfortunately, it was not important to be beaten most of the time. It's it's not. Uh, but it's a way that. But then she'll learn, learn. To, exactly. Yes learn and, and she appreciate them and she she understands like how to manipulate them without hurting them uh, as well which is important so so there are things that that people can can That's do really advanced for a six-year-old i mean now i i mean i think i would handle a spider but i can't imagine <laughs> being a sort of a young child so that's kind of fascinating. And you're absolutely right. It's about educating young children from a young age and knowledge is that power. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we don't do that enough here in Hong Kong um, in our curriculum. Uh, perhaps they'll sort of go on hikes, but handling sort of insects. Why is that? Is it again sort of from, from p passed on knowledge that people have this divide between insects 
and and other animals. I suppose they they'll handle animals, but insects, it's in a separate category. It, it is in a way, but this is this is not universal. Like um, I, I go to Japan quite often, and I just came back, and in Japan actually, you you will see uh, entire books dedicated to insects, like which are like on the like booksellers, you know, like the top uh, bestsellers. Sorry, and. And I just went to uh, a zoological, uh, sorry, a botanical garden, and they had a big exhibition about insects. And you know, the kids were manipulating those big beetles and, and everything. Wow. And there's also some other downside uh, of that about the trade that it might generate. But at least you can see that the fear is not something that is a natural condition. It's actually one that society is passing on. And, and so we can reverse that easily through education. And I mean, when I when I do the work that I do, I of course, I, I work a lot with children, but also work with the parents and sometimes even with people who can be grand-grandparents. Grand and I can tell you the excitement is similar. Uh, if I give puder, which is uh, some kind of a, a vacuum that you can uh, use to suck up insects uh, with your mouth, um, one, one year I was working with the Hong Kong Wetland Park and we had a group of many retirees. They were on their knees collecting insects and having such a fun. Uh, it must have been such a good opportunity for them. Yeah. Perhaps they weren't exposed to that Ex before. Exactly. But, you know, I, I think there is this, this will that everybody may have to discover the world uh, around you. But you just need sometimes to have a little bit of a window that is open and somebody to guide you through. Yeah. You mentioned one thing. Maybe we can touch on this briefly. I'm sure it's a, it's a topic sort of separate. What about this sort of pet trade of insects? Do you see a lot of that uh, or growing here in, in Hong Kong? Yeah, un unfortunately, I, I don't specifically focus on that in, in Hong Kong, but uh, globally, this is something that is growing. Pet trade for insects or any other animals for what it is. I mean, we don't need it, honestly. Um, you know, it's it's impacting environment. It's often impacting those spe those species. It's it's not necessary. People don't need to have exotic species at home uh, for bragging most of the time. Um, you know, if you really love nature, if you're really interested into nature, well, take your binocular, take your macro camera. And go in nature. There's plenty here, and and many that you know. If you can specialize a little bit, then you can even discover new species for Hong Kong or new record, and and that I think is a real contribution for the love of nature and biodiversity. There is yeah. no need to to generate this kind of um, of trade here. Yeah. Lastly, let's end on the Hong Kong Biodiversity Museum that we touched on last week. Remind our listeners once again. How can we find out more about uh, the work there? So uh, we are on social media and I invite everybody interested to follow us because we have um, information about the museum, but also every week we introduce a new species and everything that is fascinating about those species. So we are on Facebook, uh, Instagram and X slash Twitter now. Okay. Um, so you can just look for Hong Kong Biodiversity Museum. And we have a website as well that people can use to actually book a visit. So we have a two weeks closure at the moment for some renovation in our building, but we're going to be reopening from the week of the... Um, uh, 18th, I believe. So people are welcome to, to sign up. Excellent. Well, I really enjoyed talking with you in the last two weeks. Thank you once again for all your time, Professor Benoit Guinard, who is an associate professor from the School of Biological Sciences from the Faculty of Science at the University of Hong Kong. And he also heads the Insect Biodiversity and Biogeographical uh, Laboratory. And also we were talking a lot about ants. And if you'd like to revisit anything, head over to the Hong Kong Biodiversity Museum. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much.